Hi, everybody. Hope all's well. So glad you could join us again today. Today is our third and final day in this passage from Luke 4, and we actually are going to read a little bit from Matthew's gospel as well today. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just, like I said before, I've just been getting so much out of this passage, and I've really appreciated the extra time that we've spent in it the past couple of days. Um, Before we get into things for today, though, I have to ask, what came out of your reflection time yesterday? Did you get a chance to think about appetite, ambition, and approval? Did you identify uh, the one of those with which you're most vulnerable to temptation? And as you did that, did you receive a word of grace from the Lord? Did Did you sense him leading you in any particular way to a place of victory as you share in his identity? I mentioned yesterday that of those three, I tend to be most susceptible to temptation of ambition. Uh, And as I spent time attempting to rest in my identity in Christ, I was reminded of a phrase that the Lord had given me in the past. um, And that honestly, I've lost focus of recently. And the phrase is plenty of time. In other words, I believe that the Lord knows my ambition can be directed to good things. And he knows exactly how much I am able to accomplish in any given day. And he tells me that there is plenty of time to do today, whatever it is that he's asking me to do. The the challenge for me in those words um, is my own agenda, my desires for every day. Um, And that challenge forces me to Uh, lay down my list of tasks, a list for what God is leading me um, to do and who he's leading me to serve. Um, His challenges, though, I've found are always motivated by love, and they always contain an underlying sense of good news. And the good news uh, in his word to me is that he has a pace for me to live in which um, with which I can be the most productive without getting burned out. And, and also, I don't have to worry if I'm spending my time on the right things because he wouldn't lead me to the wrong things. It's interesting because when I receive his word that way, I'm actually uh, super motivated to respond to it, even though it originally felt challenging. I've started this way today because my hope is that uh, we're reading scripture together, not simply for information, but for transformation. A relationship with God is about positive change. Uh, We don't want to just know about him, but we actually want to know him. And and as we know him and realize his good intentions for us and accept the the identity that he's won for us in Christ, we change. Our our hearts are lifted. Our attitudes are more positive. Uh, we're, We're more about pleasing him and less about pleasing other people. We actually want to stop focusing on ourselves all the time. And instead, we start longing to serve others. I hope that you want this too. That can be our prayer together. And speaking of prayer, let's go ahead and do that now before we read the passage. God, we're grateful for 
the freedom to respond to your word when it comes to us. And we thank you for giving it to us plainly in scripture, but then personalizing it for each one of us in our hearts and our minds. We ask that you would do that again today, that you would communicate clearly with us, that you would help to remove distractions from our lives uh, so that we can receive what it is that you have for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, like I said, I'm going to read Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 15 today. And then I'm also going to read Matthew chapter 4, verses 23, 24, and 25. So Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And now Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. For the rest of our time together, I'd like to focus on the pattern of retreat and advance that the Lord shows us in this passage, excuse me, in these passages, and uh, how this pattern um, unleashed the work of God's Spirit in his life. It's a pattern that he would return to countless times during his earthly ministry, a pattern he would describe to his disciples as abiding and bearing fruit. And it's the pattern that I believe we are to adopt if we want to experience his power and live as his representatives in the world. I chose to read the passage from Matthew's gospel because in some ways it serves as a a summary of the end of Luke 4 and all of Luke chapter 5. So it allows us to reflect on the outcome of Jesus' time in the wilderness in a more efficient way. Um, And when you take these two short passages together, Uh, you're able to see the big arc of Jesus' journey from the waters of his baptism to the desert of his temptation to the world that was in desperate need of him. 
Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit as he came out of the Jordan River and, and as he was led into the wilderness to fast and to be tempted. Then after the tempting in, in Luke chapter 1 verse 14, we read that Jesus came out of the wilderness and returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the passage from Matthew 4, we see that power extended to those with the deepest needs, those with diseases and sicknesses, those with severe pain and seizures, the demon-possessed, and people who were paralyzed. Time and time again, Jesus proclaimed the good news that God's kingdom had come, and people from everywhere were following him. His impact was incredible and, and unbelievable except that there were so many people that they were there to witness it. What did Jesus teach his followers that Luke had picked up on? What was he trying to get his readers to see? The Holy Spirit was on Jesus, and in fact, it was in Jesus, like blood in his veins or oxygen in the cells. The, the Spirit was one with Jesus, and in turn, he was one with God in heaven. The power that created the universe in the beginning was running through him and, and was available to anyone with whom he came into contact. All he had to do was listen to his father and dispense that power in accordance with his father's will. We might say, okay, well, maybe that's true, but still, why the wilderness? If Jesus had the spirit after his baptism, why didn't he just go straight to ministering to people and helping them? Why the apparent detour? Let, let's think for a moment about what the wilderness, or in this case, the desert really, may have been like for Jesus. One of my favorite things is campfires, especially in the summertime. I, I love the atmosphere and the friends and the music and the, the stillness uh, late at night that's only broken by the occasional popping of burning wood. There, there have been times during a campfire, though, when I've realized that I'm getting eaten alive by bugs. I'm sure you've all been there, and we all know that it's not fun. It's, it's downright annoying, right? And the next day is the worst, when you itch so badly that you just want to scratch your skin until it bleeds. Well, imagine that every night for 40 nights. Uh, imagine camping on the ground with maybe one blanket and a makeshift tent, waking in the middle of the night with bugs in your hair or climbing on your legs, maybe even catching sight of a snake or a, a scorpion when you were awake during the day. I, I mean, honestly, just stop to think about this. How scared would you be if you were completely alone for six weeks in the middle of nowhere, with no phone and no human contact, with, with the real possibility of being attacked by a wild animal and, and no ambulance to come to your rescue, rescue if you ever slipped on a hike and broke your ankle. Could you imagine what would happen to your prayer life under those circumstances? Could you imagine how much more time you'd spend talking with God? Just think about how much more each successful night of sleep and, and, and waking up each morning to a new day would mean to you. I, I think Luke is trying to get us to see that Jesus' time in the wilderness was about dependence. It was the ultimate character developer, and his faith in his father soared. I, I bet he came out of the desert with bug bites and scratches and scars, but he came out alive. 
knowing that his, his father had sustained him in his love and he was absolutely committed to the mission his father had given him. As, as Luke put it, he was not living in his human power, but he was alive in the power of the Spirit. What is there in this passage for us? I mean, it's, it's nice to know Jesus' pattern, but really, what's the big deal? After all, it was me who said at the beginning of our time today that I don't want us to read for just information. So how do we get to transformation? Jesus' pattern was to receive his identity and then be forced to trust that identity for his survival. In the the wilderness, Jesus became an utterly dependent person. When he came out of the wilderness, he had power to change the lives then of desperate people. If we want to be used by God in this way, if we want this same kind of experience of his power, then this is the pattern for us too. Luke writes later in his gospel that, quote, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, end quote. What if this practice was simply a reiteration of his trip into the wilderness to to remind himself of his identity and to remind his human self of his dependence on God for spiritual power? I think this is where I've missed what God has for me for much of my life. Now, I'm not beating myself up about it, but I am stating what I know to be true because my life has looked so little like Jesus's. It's so easy though, isn't it? It's so easy to seek comfort, to get, to get comfortable and stay comfortable, to keep life under control. It's so easy to wake up in a climate-controlled house and then be transported in a climate-controlled car uh, to work in a climate-controlled building and then return again to a climate-controlled house. Maybe some of us feel safe and secure with that kind of life, but are we any closer to God because of it? Are, are, are we more aware of his presence and power? Are, are, are broken lives being restored around us? Or has another month gone by and we're not really any deeper or any more faithful or courageous than we were before. It's been said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Some of us uh, want different results. We, we want to see the spirit alive and us flowing through us and changing lives around us. If that's you today, I encourage you to get alone with the Lord and ask him to show you your next step towards complete dependence on him. Ask him to show you what you need to to give up or to give away, to to show you what you need to stop doing and and what you need to start doing to become utterly dependent on him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you do sometimes challenge us in love but that there's always good news under that challenge. And I pray that you would show each one of us the good news that you have for us today. Uh, God, it's a scary prayer to pray that we want to be in a place of utter dependence, that we don't want to be comfortable anymore, but we want an experience of your power more than those things. We, We want a real relationship with you more than those things. And so we ask for it now. 
uh, be gentle with us, but lead us to that place of dependent dependence so that we can come alive in your spirit and reach out to a world that's desperate for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.